I'm looking at your own picture, but yeah, your background's blurred. What's up, everybody? Oh, okay. <laughs> We're live. Uh, welcome to KBM Live. We're sitting here having a microphone and blurred background talk. Hey, we're going. Whatever, that's yeah. all right. Uh, we are on time tonight, and we're excited to, to come to you. Before we get going, I'm going to apologize for the audio last week. I uploaded the podcast and listened to it, and my audio was like some kind of echo. My microphone was off, so I was talking in the webcam mic. Yeah. So if you're a, a podcast listener, uh, thanks for listening to it anyway, but it was uh, it should be fixed <laughs> now. But uh, I'm Jeff Malott, my partner up here, Ryan Lambert. Uh, gonna have fun tonight. We're proud to welcome in for the first time Russell Johnson from the mighty hey. Anglers of the Northeast up there. Thanks for joining us. What's tonight, going Russell. on? What's going on, guys? How you doing tonight? Oh, good, good, man. All right, we got a bunch of folks jumping on. Wherever you're coming in from, uh, just leave us a comment so we know you're watching. Um, Russell, we wanted to have you on right after that tournament um, last week. The two big tournaments went down at the same time, and you know we had Richard on last Monday and wanted to give it a week and have you on to talk about uh, your big win up on the – I can't ever pronounce it right. It's the Susquehanna? Susquehanna? Susquehanna. Yeah, Sus Susquehanna River. The Susky? People say Susky. Susky for short. All right. Uh, but, I mean, you guys are loaded with talent up that way. Um, I know a buddy of mine, Jake Harshman, lives up there and talks about the quality of that fishery. Uh, and, you know, for you to come out on top with that many anglers, I think they had 79, 80 anglers in that event, big event for what's going on right now. Uh, you know, it was impressive. So we wanted to have you on to talk about it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a big event. Um, and the, the odd thing about it is there's no local club that supports it. Um, so the Pennsylvania, the biggest club in Pennsylvania doesn't support KBF, doesn't support any outgoing or outer clubs besides their own. Um, so I kind of took on a tournament director position um, and made some boundaries and said, the water's good enough to bring the anglers. The guys in, inside the club, they supported it. And, you know, we had well over 70 anglers. And when you look at that list, there was a whole stack of them that complete nationally that can take it, take an event at any given time. So it was a, it's a huge river, man. Like you say, it's a, it's a mile wide in some areas. But when you in that mile wide, you won't get your kneecaps wet walking across it. So the last couple of years, it, that tournament was kind of stifled by floods, right? Wasn't it like oh. springtime? Was it springtime or was it early summer? It was it, on it my was like list a, to go, but it rained for the last two years. I mean, flood water. Yeah, um, it, it, it's spring water. Um, we had records amounts of rainfall. Um, this year we're below, like, I think it's about three inches below the uh, water index right now. Um, so it was low and gin clear. But the last event we had, um, just for say, the river was at two, three, 30,000 cubic feet, uh, you know, a second pass and pass the gauge. When we had the last event, it was at eight, six at 170,000 cubic feet running. Um, yeah. It's a completely different beast. Yeah, I bet. But it, it's funny because it doesn't – it rises, but it doesn't come out of its banks. Um, it's just there's so much volume in it. It either gets faster or just slows down, and it just comes up almost vertical. It doesn't huh. flood out of its banks too far. And that river runs all the way to the coast. Is that right? Yeah, so it's the largest freshwater tributary to the Chesapeake Bay. Um, it's the number one source of water for the Chesapeake Bay. It drains um, a lot of New York half of uh, Pennsylvania, and, I mean, it runs from the north section of Pennsylvania all the way down through into Maryland, and uh, she's massive. I mean, massive. 
Well, full of huge smallmouth. Full of huge smallmouth, and if you're a catfish fisherman, they have giant flatheads in there. You hear that? Oh, shit. Numerous of them. I know. I was going to say, Jim's <laughs> truck just started. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, at 45, 50-pounders, um, they broke the state record two or three times in the last year. Um, and they're, they're massive, and there's hundreds of them. Really? So, Yeah. Well, I know every time there's a tournament up that way, you know, whether it's up on one of the, the, the Great Lakes or especially on that river, it's all about the smallmouth, it seems like. Um, you know, what makes that fishery put out such, before we get into actually how you caught them, how, you know, why does it produce such big fish up in that region? Um, well, for me, I think it's the amount of crawfish we have. Like, if anybody that's been out there, you take a flashlight out at night and it looks like there's a crawfish boil going on in the water. I mean, there's crawfish <laughs> everywhere. Um, but it's also the number of like carp, sheephead, and suckers we have that that actually spawn. So there's a ton of you know tiny, tiny bait fish that these bass can just hone in on, and then when they don't want to be too aggressive, they can drop back off the crawfish. And it's you know crawfish, I guess, are high in protein and have a good fat content for their energy. But the suck and it's rocky, right? Small. Yeah, it's rocky. Uh, there are grassy areas. There's, you know, areas big enough on the lake that are uh, on the river that are like a lake where you'll see guys jet skiing and running a, uh, a ski boat, you know, stuff like that. But a majority of it, a prop boat can't can't be run on that river. Um, 200 horse in, inboard jets um, are like one of the more common things. But even with those, there's spots that you can't get in a jet boat that we get in the kayaks. So generally, it's 58 inches and three fish to, you know, cash a check at one of our events when the, when the river's on. Yeah. But but torquitos do great there, I hear. Torquitos do <laughs> great. <laughs> That's uh, what the rumor I, is. It, the thing is that you've got to have a rock guard uh, because otherwise, if you don't have your rock guard, you're going to destroy it. You're going to destroy a torquito. Yeah. Um, I think Ken Wood was mad the amount of scratches he put on his kayak after, you know, two days of fishing on a Susquehanna. It's rocky and it's like shell rock, so it's kind of sharp in spots. What kind of, does he have a fiberglass kayak? What's he got? No, carbon Ken's, uh, I think he, carbon fiber? <laughs> not carbon fiber. Um, I don't think I would last for not one day up here. Um, before getting sent back for repairs. Um, but then again, I haven't seen it on the water. I don't know. Not my not my cup of tea. Um, yeah. But excited we'll, about we'll, the things that are we'll, on. We'll poke around in that in a minute. We, we're going to get your <laughs> tournament run down. <laughs> Josh Evans fell out of his chair, so we're, we're doing good so far. <laughs> so, oh, man. You're, you're talking about uh, crawfish being the forage up there. Let, let's talk about how you caught them. Did you, did, did you use something that focused on I didn't want to give up all your juice, probably, but what, nah, what, was, your, what um, was your deal? How did you, how did you uh, catch that winning stream? Honest, honestly, I was looking for an aggressive to find out where they were. So I started throwing a five-inch bull shad. Um, and I was throwing it and throwing okay. it, just looking for a follower, looking for something to just to see, you know, having the polarized glasses on and paying attention to that bait, looking for a shadow, looking for anything. And then all of a sudden, I got to an area of super shallow water. It was fast. Um, it wasn't something you can sit in your kayak in. Um, it's, it's a spot most people wouldn't even fish if they were in a kayak. And uh, I was throwing a bullshad, and they were coming out of deeper water um, and, and attacking this bullshad, um, and they were swallowing it. 
So you were right. You were you were using it as a search bait. End up catching one. Yep, using it as a search bait. End up catching one. But this is I don't want to give away too much. But there's a couple guys around Knoxville, Tennessee, that like a similar approach for big smallmouth. They throw a giant bullshad. You'll probably see them scratching and clawing, trying to qualify for the tournament of champions here in the next couple months. (laughs) (laughs) It's a it's a great. I mean, people don't take smallmouth. I think people naturally say smallmouth, small baits. Uh, that is not. No. They're, they're super aggressive. Um, and the Susky smallmouth, it's like a great lake smallmouth in a river. They're, they're short. They're fat. Um, they got shoulders, and they're strong as shit. Yeah. So, Dude, I catch them on six, eight-inch swim baits on three-quarter ounce heads. All the, I mean, regularly. Like that's, yeah. a, that's a go-to bait, especially in the spring. When they're pushed up and they're feeding hard, getting ready to spawn they want to eat anything they can get like that that's yeah. how you catch the the big ones so like on on a river i think the bull shad what started me with it was uh they get territorial like when they're in faster water and they're in their little i call it a micro eddy just a different change in current it might be a basketball sized boulder that's changing a current around it i find that they sit behind that stuff and you know like little details you bring that through there, I think they, they get mad at it and aggressively strike at it, and uh, or they'll eat it. I, a lot of time they'll nose it and get hooked, but they they will eat a six-inch bait with no problem. Mark Springer said you just gave up the old Susky secret. Ah, that's not a secret, man. We've been doing that for seven, eight years. <laughs> it's not a secret anymore, Mark. I think Mark moved. Where did he move? Was it Kansas or somewhere, Jeff? Just north of Missouri, Missouri. He's somewhere. Me, shit, all that, all that shit's the same out there. I don't know the difference, Easy. man. You get, <laughs> <laughs> you get further west than the Mississippi, you don't need to call me anymore. I'm, I'm Ryan, done. Ryan's no fan of the flyover states. <laughs> no, I'm good, player. <laughs> Unless we're duck hunting. Now okay. I go to, I go to Arkansas to duck hunt, or Missouri, or Oklahoma. We can get out. We can go out to Idaho or North Dakota. <clears throat> I'm going to Idaho in September to elk hunt. Okay. You can have all that. I'm too fat to walk all that distance. <laughs> oh, it's flat land, Playboy. I did not okay. I did not build this body to walk it all over a mountain. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm not built for that. <laughs> I'm I'm fat and happy. I'm not trying to lose too much. Exactly. It cost me a lot to feed this. <laughs> hey, so before we came on, I took a peek at your uh, Tony X stats, Russell, and they're as I imagine they're very impressive. Uh, yeah, stuck. But first, answer me why your profile picture on there is Nemo. <laughs> um, so, actually, I think it's the shirt I got on. Uh, Mountain State Kayak Anglers. I was having some trouble one day. Um, actually messed up a, a, a phone for login. I couldn't get service, but I could text pictures. So I texted pictures to two guys, and I used their phone to log on to Tony X and submit my f- pictures. Never logged out of Torny X. They changed my profile picture, and they changed it. They changed it to Nemo, and it was literally like a week and a half later that I realized that my profile picture on Torny X had changed. Um, so one of the guys uh, that changed it, he has a kayak. It's orange and orange and yellow, and they named it Nemo. And his wife has another gray kayak and they named it bruce and so he changed it to nemo and i've just never changed it because so many people ask why or hey i saw you on 20x but i didn't know what you look like 
It's Nemo. It's Nemo. <laughs> I can respect that. That's good for <laughs> So Clifton Allen says he's guessing you are no novice. That that's correct, Clifton. Uh, Russell's caught a couple. He's <laughs> he's been around a minute and caught some fish. Clifton, in case you didn't see, Clifton posted a video on Kayak Bass Nation earlier asking how you would describe yourself as an angler, a tournament angler, or a novice. And I think it was kind of a loaded question to spark some debate, as Clifton usually does. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't well, say he's a novice. <laughs> I, I I guess. I, and here's the funny part with that: there's times I'm like utterly dead serious about tournament angling. And there's other times, like, I just want to hang out on the water with some friends and fish, yeah. but it's yeah. during a tournament. So it's like, there's times I want to prove myself or go all out. And there's other times where I can go somewhere and just fish a tournament all day and not give two, two cares in the world about how I finish. Some of them are location dependent for me. Like, if, you know, like Gunnersville, for instance, like, I don't know why. If I hear of a Gunnersville tournament, I just wake up and I'm like, all right, this, you know, like. No matter what I do the night before, like I need to get out and <laughs> catch some fish for this one. But but like Nickajack, I hate Nickajack, and it's it was my home lake. But for that FLW, everybody's like, "Oh, Lambert lives on Nickajack." I hate the lake, and I felt so much pressure to catch fish. <laughs> then I'm like, "This is a lake I fished the least out of the Tennessee River chain," and and you know I felt like I had to do something. But I, I definitely get what you're saying. I mean. We'll go out on Chickamauga, and sometimes, man, I just I want to get out and, and be around everybody. And if people are in town, I want to go out and have a good time. And, you know, sometimes that tournament takes the back seat to the, the social part. <laughs> and, and that's the same thing with me. I've never done good anywhere on a Tennessee chain because those are always the lakes that draw everybody there. And I'm more worried about spending or seeing, like, people that – we only talk on social media or like a picture, yeah. but it's just about spending that quality time. Like I went down for the Hobie uh, event down in Gunnersville and Steve Owens was down there. And of course I brought food. I brought pulled pork and everything. I was like, yeah, I didn't care about catching fish. I wanted to hang out. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, that's my, that's my church. That's my bar. It, it, you know, it's just different. It's not about I that, agree. that check all the time. Hey, when I, shared, when I shared that you were coming on, Steve O said you had the best pulled pork in the world. <laughs> um, I'm pretty confident in it. All right. I can't say in the not, world. But, we uh, talked earlier today. Now, he said he's wanting to come down for the barbecue festival in Memphis in May. Yeah. So I'm going to come out and, and see what he's got. We'll find out if he does have the best in the world. Maybe he does. I wanna, that's, that's on my bucket list is uh, competing in Memphis in May. So Come on down. They have a big – I mean, they have a, a big throwdown – down here they'll have you know music and everything like it's it's pretty cool on the riverfront down there okay i'm down to travel fish or food Aaron's gonna come with you aaron threw out he threw up in looking eyes he's gonna come down too if, if you talk to aaron white every two weeks he's coming down to fish chickamauga <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he came down for that he, yeah, he came down for the Hobie when it flooded and didn't get bit down here, and it's it's eating him alive. Like he can't he can't push it out of his mind. So now he's he's ready to go. That's hilarious. Um, I know. I hope he does come back. <laughs> so so Russell, let me ask you this because this some of the Northeast guys really travel, but people really kind of I don't think they understand how far it is for you guys to drive to some of the events in the Deep South or over on you know the Midwest side of things. And I know that the Northeast guys really push to get events up your way uh, mm -hmm. you know, outside of the KBF trail events. So how, how much 
traveling do you get to do or do you try to put on your schedule every year? Um, so this year, taking on a restaurant, I've kind of toned down with it. Um, driving is not a problem for me. Like I said, I drove truck, so hop in and drive 10 hours. That's literally only stop for gas and piss and keep her moving. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I've, I've went to Wisconsin. That's 14 hours. Florida, that was uh, 18 hours. I've been down Alabama, Ken- Kentucky, Tennessee. Tennessee's like nine hours. Um, I, I'll drive through tonight for that one. Um, but where I'm located is the south end of the northeast. So these guys up in New York and Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine, I mean, they're 22, 23 hours to get some of, you know, some of these events. Like Sandy Cooper um, is one I always want to fish. It was just, it's in that I have to take an extra day at work to travel to get it. Right. Um, but, I mean, there's bodies of water up here that I wholeheartedly believe some of these southern sticks will look at confused up here because they're, they're different. Um, you know, when you're talking about deep highland reservoir smallmouth, 40, 50 feet deep, you know, on a drop shot, that's a lot different than most people are fishing. Um, it's, but we don't have a 9 and 10 pound largemouth that guys that got down south. Um, but smallmouth is, is, is king up here. So numbers wise, I mean, traditionally speaking, like, you know, the Northeast people are always pushing, you know, for, for big, big trail stops. What do you think holds, holds people back from hitting like 125, 130 anglers at a Northeast, at a Northeast tournament? Do you think it's the distance or do you think they might not, you know, they're not willing to jump in for the bigger tournaments or like what, what's the limiting factor? Well, I mean, when you look at it, um, look at our ma- the major side of fishing. You know, let's look at the basketball wall. How many events do they have up here? You know, the bodies of water that we fish and hold these big events are the same bodies of water they fish. Yeah. So a lot of those fish are, you know, are, are down south um, or in, in the Midwest. Um, there's a couple up here. You know, you you got St. John's River. You have, you know, the Great Lakes. But I think a lot of it is, is distance and not knowing the bodies of water. Um, it, it's a completely different style of fishing up here. Yeah, I guess the uh, the elites are supposed to come up there for three straight tournaments here pretty soon to New York, all the way up to yeah. New York. But I don't know if that's going to work out. Right? Yeah, I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> Josh Evans said sticks from the south don't travel like we do. The Northeast. I know Matt Scott just drove up from Texas to Wisconsin. Jordan Marshall sitting in Wisconsin because he called me today eating cheese curds, drinking spotted cow. Said he caught <laughs> three pick or three pike and a catfish. <laughs> he traveled. He just ain't doing that. You don't me, know that he's there, but he's there somewhere. Yeah, he's, I in yet, <laughs> he's well. He's dialed something in. I don't know what. He's getting bit. I'll say that. <laughs> it's uh, it's different. I mean, even that, that body of water up there, the Mississippi River, when you look at it down, you know, once you get down lower and, you know, last couple locks, that's a different river than what it is up there in Lacrosse or, you know, Mill Axe or anything like that. So it's Jordan said that. He said that river is rolling right now. He said he looked out at it and he's like, dude, he's like, I didn't think there was any current at all. He's like, I got out in it and I'm pedaling. He's like, and I'm mo- I'm pedaling hard and I'm moving about a mile an hour backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he said it ain't like home. No. Well, that's when we were up there last year. Um, 
you know, I run the Torquedo and I got on on the river and I went right back to the bank, loaded up, went to a different spot. <laughs> I wasn't fighting that all day. Um, it doesn't look like it's moving because it's so big, but it was it was booking. It's a monster. Yeah. Uh, it's a monster. Right yeah. Uh, so, Russell, you talk about, you, you know, you travel. How, what is the key for you uh, to travel? Obviously, the techniques don't work up, up in Pittsburgh that work in Florida or work in Wisconsin. you got to be versatile. So what what technique do you have that, that travels with you? Are you just consider yourself a versatile angler? Um, honestly, man, I always have a spinnerbait tied on. I do have, you know, I've never bit the jackhammer plague. I throw it, but I don't. I'd rather pick up a spinnerbait. Um, spinnerbait, jig, and, you know, I've been throwing a swim bait a lot. I take them everywhere. But I use swim baits more for seeing where fish are at, seeing what they're doing. Um, but if anything, it's a spinner bait and a jig. When I'm smallmouth fishing, I just love a curly tail grub. Simple. I like that. You're, you're the Chris Aldane of kayak fishing, throwing the big swim baits. <laughs> I'm try- I, they get bit. Um, I've lost some money, just some, some musty and pike, but it's few and far between. <laughs> I just like finding out where they're at. I see so many more fish throwing big, big swim baits than anything else, and they're not giant. I mean, they're six, seven inches, but I like throwing them. Big glide bait. Jody Queen says Ned rig for catfish. Oh yes, I, on the Suski, it was an event. Um, I was throwing the TRD finesse jig with the, the skirted one that they come out mm-hmm. with like first, and uh, I was fishing a rock ledge, probably about sixteen feet of water. And I felt something spongy. Then I felt the jig hit the bottom. And I, I fished really light line. I'm talking four pounds, six pounds fluoro. What? Um, what are you doing? Yes, really, really light. <laughs> <laughs> really light line. Um, but I felt something spongy and I lifted up. And I just, my rod just started bending over. Then I just started lifting up harder. And I thought I was either on somebody else's line or something. And the head shake went. And I hooked into a flathead. I'm, if you dig through my, my my uploaded pictures, it was 39 inches, probably 45, 46 pounds on six-pound test Ned Rig. And it come up corner of its mouth. I fought that thing for probably 45 minutes. It kept on getting in current. Um, <laughs> That's a good waste on a tournament what, day. Yeah, huge waste on a tournament day. Then it was so big, I couldn't get a picture of it and myself. There was no, like, selfie, like – so I had to call another angler over. I'm screaming at him through these rocks. He comes over, and it's flopping around in the bottom of my Jackson Kilroy DT. And, like, in the DT, the whole hog trough's gone. Like, you can see the, the nose of it on the bump board, but the fish just completely covered the <laughs> hog trough, all gone. Um, but it swam away, and everybody laughed because I submitted it in the tournament. They didn't <laughs> You have to. After 45 minutes, you better submit it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, no, that's probably my biggest light line catch. Hey, uh, Eric Atkins wanted us to ask you about rooster fishing in Panama. Did you use six-pound test down there? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I used 12-pound test, smart ass. Um, well, it's funny. Fish, uh, the fish we're using for bait down there, because they do live bait fishing down in uh, Los Busos, Panama. Um, are like tournament size fish weed fish with up here. So you're taking a 10 knot hook that's the size of the inside of your hand. 
and you're hooking some kind of fish through it and dragging it behind you as you're uh, pedaling around trolling. But they're literally four and five pound blue runners or they have smaller fish. But those rooster fish, I I would give up fishing some of my my absolute favorite spots to go down Panama once a, once a year. I go down or Adam Fisk anytime. Like, I want to go, man. I, I saw. I talked to. We had Richard Offner on last week, and he said they're going down in December, and they've got a got an open spot in their trip. And I'm <laughs> I'm debating real hard on making that one. Listen, it's from getting off the plane in Panama City to getting back on the plane in Panama City was fantastic. Not one one thing I can complain about. Like really? it. Everything like Adam and, and the crew down there, they set you up with you know you're going to Panama, so of course they speak you know Latin language, they speak Spanish, um, but they speak they, they set you up with English speaking people, taxi drivers, the whole nine. Like they they run it through apps, so you can use it on Wi-Fi through your phone. Like every detail is taken care of going down there. Um, the food, like I jokingly said, you know. I'm allergic to tomatoes. I'm not allergic to them. I just can't stand the things. Um, <laughs> I can't. I absolutely will not bite a raw tomato um, and get pissed off if I do. But uh, the cook there, I can't even say cook, the chef there, she literally thought I was allergic to them and created a whole menu that had nothing to do with tomatoes. But, uh, and I, we laughed about it because she doesn't like something. Um, but the food is phenomenal. Like, top-notch all the beer you can drink, the food, you never go hungry. Um, I'm in. <laughs> and, and the fishing is, is top notch. Like, everybody in our group caught multiple fish and multiple big fish. And the, and the food, it's, it's fresh caught fish, fresh out of the jungle, you know, fruits and stuff, right? Uh, from what I've yeah, seen. So like, yeah, so, like, you eat a lot of fish. There's a lot of fish there. But they do pizza night. They do, uh, like, a Tex-Mex night. Um, You'll have ceviche, uh, guacamole from avocados right there. You'll see pineapples, mangoes. I mean, passion fruit. I mean, everything that's there is ready. Bananas, fresh. um, And they're definitely, when you look at them as an American, quote-unquote, you realize what we eat is so much processed. So what we're get, what you're getting there is like the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, it, That's I awesome. can't speak. I, listen, I the wife will get mad at me because I will just straight up leave and go right to Panama. <laughs> hey, by the way, she commented earlier and said you better say something nice to her. I don't know if you saw Ooh. that. Oh, I was saying she. I didn't see that. I don't. I don't. <laughs> she. She. She's Busted. the number one reason. No, she knows. She's the number one reason why I can do that. She knows. There you go. Come back. Come back. She, I say it every time we're online. She's the reason why why I can do and have fun with this. So she supports that. But she knows I'm not going to the bar getting drink. I'm not strung out on drugs and um, <laughs> um, but talking to you. she she knows that's my. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, hey, Ryan Van Tyne commented and said you eat onions like apples, but you don't like tomatoes. Is that true? Uh, absolutely. I'll eat an onion like an apple. I'm not biting a tomato. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hey, if, if you guys are watching, if you got any questions for Russell, uh, fire them off while we got him here. Um, 
Ryan, what or Russell, what's going on in your area with with uh, the COVID lockdowns? Obviously, you still had this tournament, but uh, is that had a hard, a big effect on fishing there? Uh, so not really. Our state really never um, did anything with like shutting down ramps or anything like that. What they did was the trout stocking. Trout fishing is huge up here in Pennsylvania. Um, they just took all the fish and dumped them in the river or in the lake or the stream at once and then opened up trout season like two weeks before and everybody up here lost their mind. And I'm just thinking like, yes, the bass have something to eat. <laughs> Let them get a little bit bigger. Um, but no, it, it hasn't changed anything or, you know, virtual, um, no meetings. I don't think we can have any, any more than like 12 or 15 guys at a boat ramp if we do have something organized. Um, and with that is if, if there is more than one launch, you just launch those guys and the next wave the guys come in, we'll work it out like that up here. So it's, uh, it's goofy, but it's yeah. the times we're in right now. Everybody we've yeah. had on, we've asked about this just because it's, it's interesting to hear the different parts of the country and how it's been handled. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, not that we're all roughly the same age, not that we can say we never did this before. Like our parents, our grandparents, your grandparents, grandparents, we've never experienced yeah. anything like this before. Right. So um, it's goofy. Josh Evans wants to know how important is it to listen to the locals when they tell you river right or river left? I don't listen, but it's important. <laughs> um, there, there's there's a story that, there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's some things that people tell you uh, not to do. Not Me and Josh fished a uh, travel to an event down in West Virginia on a new river. And uh, one of the locals told us, you know, hey, stay this way. I kind of followed it around. It was a nice big, probably class two, class three, whitewater shoot. And uh, Josh was kind of stuck on the other side. Um, and then another guy, he doesn't kayak fish anymore. Or I haven't seen him, you know, on social media lately. He didn't make it. He lost everything. Oh. And he was in a wilderness command. So like an, you know, like a, so that's a, a sit inside. Yeah, he got swamped. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was ugly. It was ugly. Um, but I had an NRS pump with me. Um, to get water out. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do too good on that one. He lost a whole lot of gear. But uh, if you ever get to fish a river, New River's a good one to fish too up there in West Virginia, Virginia. So somebody just posed, yeah, so uh, Ryan Van Tyne just asked, uh, what's the next event you're planning on fishing, actually? Um, so after winning this last one, the wife, um, she knows that what's left on the KBF trail is events that I've done good at. So um, it's hard for me to plan this year with a restaurant. Friday nights in a restaurant are good. Saturdays are good. Um, but uh, my wife, she's she holds it down, and she'll run a restaurant on Saturday. We have a good crew there. So as long as I can get everything prepped out and get out early enough on a Friday, I'll drive six, seven hours through tonight. Um, so I'm going to fish East West Harbor um, in Ohio. That's going to be my next event. And then I'm going to try to, after that, get on one of these Hobie events uh, to support that, that end of things. But uh, I don't know where that one's going to be. Um, and that's another thing. i got to travel down south to get there. Who's so, the river, man? Uh, Come on. Not, I know. That's, that's we pretty much what's left. That. Yeah, I'm going to say there's not much left. You skip over Darnell like that, right? Come on. 
Where is Dardanelle? Like, what is that shit? Like, Arkansas? If you come down here, I'll show you right where it is. <laughs> Are there fish there? I'm not. I told you, Jeff. We're not doing this anymore. I'm not talking about it. I'm not driving to Arkansas to fish again. It's over. Well, isn't Dardanelle the one that had the FLW event on? They used to have an Elite Series event every year and FLW events there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty okay. of YouTube videos. Go watch a couple of them. There's plenty of YouTube videos. <laughs> That's where I learned to fish anyway. I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about the FLW tournament videos, man. Listen, Jeff, if the Guggen Squad ain't been there, I ain't going. They've been there. So, park that <laughs> off the list. I don't know, I don't know if that's true. Uh, yeah. But, uh, have you fished a Hobie thing yet, Russell? Have you been to one? I've been to two of them. Okay, I went so down you know. to the Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and I just, same thing. I, AJ and they, those guys do a phenomenal job. Um, we were trying to hold one up here on Erie, uh, but COVID, um, that that struck. But I fished the uh, – I had surgery last year and thought I was doing okay, um, being a meathead, and I uh, went to St. Clair, and I couldn't I couldn't pedal through the second day. Um, so I had to get off the water and head home. So. I got you. Uh, have you done any of the BASS stuff yet? Do they have one up there yet? I haven't – so they haven't had one. They just scheduled. They're going to have one and only one. Um, they just scheduled one in October on the Susquehanna. Um, so yep. I'll be there for that one. Okay. Um, of course you will. Exactly. <laughs> With his wallet open. <laughs> <laughs> um, that 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 time of year uh, should be a hog fest. Um, yes. Those fish are feeding up for the winter, and they're going to start pushing towards their winter holes. Um, that should be a, a good one. I'm gonna order a bull shad. I may come up for that one. I I got I got about six or seven <laughs> of them. Come on, just get you some of them ducking shads. <laughs> <laughs> Their eyes will probably pop out like the damn rods. That's right. Yeah, I, I don't trust those hooks too much. No, they're terrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, things people do in this industry, I tell you. Uh, Ryan Mantine's asking what date, which state. I don't know which event he's talking about. If you're talking about Dardanelle, that's the Hobie event in September, and then the Coosa River is a Hobie event in October. If that, if that's what you're asking about. Yep. The Coosa, the Coosa's on the on the line for me because I don't want I know, to come Aaron, down. I know Aaron White's planning on coming down. We're trying to make that one like the ship house. Like you know how we got everybody together and just had a big throw yep. up. I think the Coosa River is probably going to end up being. That that tournament for this, and we're trying to get Chase Tanner to come down. Uh, I know David David's planning on fishing it. Shane's planning on fishing it. So we're going to try to make it. Hopefully, we'll be out of this quarantine stuff. Because I, I mean, you know, we hoped that Kentucky Lake would be like that, where people would get together away from. But it didn't happen. Like everybody was spread out and peppered around. And I just I want yeah. to hang out together. I don't like <laughs> I don't like all this stuff. Yeah, it's nice to be in the same area, but it's just not the same. You know what I mean? And no. you meet a guy on a boat ramp, you don't know if they want to handshake <laughs> or stay six feet away. So it's yeah, like, right. it's really odd. Hey, I'll tell you a funny story. I hope Ashley's not watching. Trying to get mad at me. But we're at we went out to Beaver Lake and we're fishing, and uh, I was talking to some cat on the on the bank that had a wild catfish rig with like fifty rods all the way around his pontoon boat. And uh, I hear her yelling at me out from out on the water. This was early on in this outbreak or whatever. I couldn't understand what she was saying, and I got out there and I said, "What are you doing?" She's, she was screaming six feet. Tell me to back up off that guy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, it was so funny. Get back. It was so funny. So, 
so it's funny for me and my wife and our kids. Um, I think, you know, my kids had, they got sick back in December, January, really, really bad. Um, and it was like my two year old, she got really, really bad, um, to where it startled both me and my wife. But we, we both got sick after that. We think we, we had this thing already. Um, but it's funny because I'm around general public in a restaurant all day, five days a week. So like, I'm not as cautious as other people. So it's, it's like for me, I'll walk up to you, give you a hug and a handshake. And then the wife would be like, what about if they were not wanting that? I was like, well, tough shit now. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'd be all right. You're helping people get immune. That's all. Yeah. Spreading the, spreading the antibodies around. I, I can't, I can't get on board with it, man. I'm not good. Like, you know, I'm in the hospitals all the time working with doctors and stuff like that's my first instinct is like go up and shake somebody's hand. Like if you don't shake somebody's hand, you might as well see yourself out like <laughs> yeah. there's a problem there. So, so I, I, I don't know. I'm I definitely a people person to it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, if I get sick, I'm sorry. I guess I got sick, but that's what it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it to get back to normal. I'll tell you what it's uh, it makes the tournaments, even the local tournaments, that's half the fun locally is getting together and hanging out and doing everything virtual. You know what I mean? So it puts a, yeah. puts a damper on it. We, we actually had a meetup for our last one. We tried to, you know, keep everybody separated. I think we had like 26 people show up. It was a night tournament, but we actually did a physical meetup. And you don't realize how much you miss that part of it until you do it again after <laughs> after this. Just being able to stand around and talk to everybody at 3 in the morning, you know? I mean, that's – that's kind of that's what a lot of us get out and do it for anyway. It's not to win two hundred dollars. It's to <laughs> to get out, yeah. and see everybody. Well, it, it's kind of funny, like yes, you know, it's like the guy that won the second day event up on the Susquehanna. Me and him fished together, so it's like me instantly. Hey, man, congrats! Blah blah blah, and that real personal touch. But it's like when I thought back on like when I won, you know, guy from KBF called and was like. Hey, do you have this for bonus box? Blah, blah, blah. Yep. And then it was like, okay, cool. Then everybody's on social media. Congrats. There's just a big part of that fellowship that's missing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like talking about it and, and, and doing things like that, that. It sucks. I feel bad for, you know, some of these guys that it's their first time doing something big or, you know, they're, they, they did something different or wanted to tell their story. There's nobody to listen to it, you know. It's just yeah. creating more distance. And like you're saying, you know, when when I remember like my first big tournament was the KBF Open on Kentucky Lake like six years ago. I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know what I was doing. Hell, I had like two Walmart combos out there. I was just glad to be on the same water. But part of the the you know bigger picture was meeting these people that you you know you've seen and you've watched on the leaderboard all day and you know like trying to learn a little bit from from them you know like having a conversation and and you know maybe try to pick up on a couple things that might help you grow as an angler I feel like this all this stuff's kind of put the brakes on that and I, I don't want people to get turned off from coming and fishing more big events you know, because they went to something like this, like, well, I just went out there and donated my money to Russell, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm just gonna stay at the house from here on out. Well, I'm, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because it's a lot of times when you're meeting up, and you know, it's a guy looking at how you rigged, you know, your old town or how you rigged your your new canoe, or you know, wanting to try a new boat because they're in a pelican or something like that. You know, wanting to see stuff that takes away so much of our sport. You know, that just looking at 
lines and in you know showing new guys the difference between a floro and a braid or a floro and, and mono because a lot of the guys that are coming out of the industry are literally just getting into fishing we got a lot of guys coming over from the bass boat side of things um that are you know well experienced well versed in, in fishing and then you, you've got guys that never fished a river that's there's two or three rivers on their tournament schedule for the year um I mean, I think this sucks for those first-year, second-year guys that look up to people that just can't have that genuine one-on-one time with it. Yeah, I think, you know, know, one of the things that can keep a guy that's maybe new that even has a bad tournament coming back is, like Ryan said, showing up and like, man, this group of people is cool. I got to meet these people. I had a bad event, but I don't mind coming back and paying another 40 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever that local tournament Mm -hmm. was. uh, Because I enjoyed being around those people so much. We're missing that right now, but hopefully – you know, uh, they, they, everybody understands what's going on. They'll still, they'll still have that draw to come back. Yeah, that's a big thing in this community, man. I mean, it's when when I was working, you know, in in the booth next to Ryan down at the Bassmasters two years ago. You know, you take your time to to not see these guys, but meet. And I mean, I met his daughter. You know, like we we were around. We were we were doing stuff together. It's just not that social media presence. It's it's the fact that, and he's the same way here, there's always a couch open at my house. You yep. know, and that's the same thing he's told me. And a lot of guys are like us in the industry. I'm not saying as soon as you meet me, I'm going to say, hey, come stay in my house. But there's so much <laughs> that people are missing from these groups wherever you're at. I mean, I literally fished a whole year in West Virginia, um, but met some of the best people in West Virginia. Every one of the storms was four hours plus away from me. But I fished our whole trail for the year, and I ended up taking our angler of the year from out of state. That's what I was going to say. You guys, won angler of the year doing that, didn't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> not one of those guys ever shrugged a shoulder or, or said anything. And I'm sure there's a couple of them on probably watching right now. They're some of the best guys I've met in this industry. Jody Queen being one of them. Like, Jody's a, one of the best guys you'll ever meet. Yep. Agreed. So uh, two two compliments that were just paid to you here. Uh, Brian Wood, he just said he's glad that he got to meet you and Matt Ball at the ramp on day one of the Susky. And then mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Van Tyne said his fondest memory was uh, when you reached out to him uh, when he went a couple states south and, you know, had some conversation with him and, and you know, shared some, some intel. So it's funny for me, like um, – I don't, I don't, I don't mind telling people like, Hey man, this worked for me. Maybe this might work for you, but I'm telling those people that have the same mindset of, you know, taking care of the waters, taking care of the fish and, and doing stuff like that. Go catch you a citation in a different state and enjoy your trip, you know, but while you're there, stop and, and take notice of this little business that can use a non-regular customer that is phenomenal and this guy puts on a tournament every year i happen to go down there and do well in his tournaments but if i'm if i'm within an hour that's a pit stop to pick up a pack of baits or something because he's just become a friend yeah good stuff man it's it's too easy to stop at academy or bass pro but we all should probably take the time to try to find that that small business out there you know on the road 
And that's yeah, kind of yeah. one of the things that people try to do. You know, these tournament directors like Steve-O and AJ, whenever they're holding a tournament, I'll reach out to one. If I need anything, I don't give a shit what it is. If it's a pack of Cinco's, I'm like, hey, who's the local tackle shop here? Because that's, who, that's who's going to appreciate the return. It's not the big box store with some <laughs> CEO that doesn't even know the people working there. Like, I don't care about that. No offense to them, but, I, I mean, and, and, I, and I'd rather being, support the you know. Stuff. Being me running this restaurant, you know, being a small business, if it wasn't for that through this this time, it would be di di different for me. I'd be looking for a job right now if it wasn't that support local, support small. Um, so outside of that, when I go somewhere, I don't stop at the, the big box names. Um, there's one big store I stop in, and it's because the manager there supports the small clubs the best way he can. So I'll support that field and stream. Um, but it's strictly because of that manager there. Uh, once he's gone, I don't know if I, you know, if they don't continue to support it, I won't continue to support it. So is it the pasta shop LLC? Yes, it is. Katie Baca, who's always on top of it, just shared the link on, <laughs> on, our, <laughs> on our live feed. So everybody she also like shared the link to Los Buzos. She's, <laughs> Jeff, we got to do something, Jeff. We need to get her like uh, some kind of official uniform or a sash, maybe a crown. I don't know. Whatever she wants. Maybe we put her on camera, like in the corner, like during the live stream. God, it'll be like Howard Stern. It'll be like Howard Stern, like where you can just have three or four people like coming in, like, wait a minute, Howard. Yeah, yeah. What was the guy with the big teeth on Howard Stern? You know who oh, I'm talking about? She said, yeah. I can't remember his name. God, I can't remember his name. Anyway, that was his job. He always is spot on. We'll so Rodney Kennan, before we move too far off <laughs> subject here, Rodney Kennan asked, uh, what do you think the chances of the national championship going off in October are? Do you think that'll happen? Um, this is going to hurt this year, man. If, if flu season starts early, I'm sorry. I feel we're going to go back into this complete shutdown. Um, that's just my my thing because they're not going to know if they're sick from the flu, sick from COVID, or just homesick in general. Um, so. I, I don't know, man. I'm hoping myself, I'm hoping that we kind of move past this stuff. Like, a lot of it's, and I hate to say it, a lot of it's media hype. I'm not saying that it's not a real disease or it's not putting people in the ICU, but you got something that is less than half a percent death rate that – they just hype up like, you know, the sky is falling. Like there's, you know, it can't just be a news cycle thing. Like, okay, well, this died down. Let's go ahead and fire up the corona again. Uh, at some point, yeah. I think as a nation, we have to, everyone collectively come together and be like, okay, we can't shut our economy down. We can't, you know, put people's lives on hold because 1% of the population might be at risk. We call, we call yeah, that, I mean, college football season. That, that, that <laughs> and we can't put that on hold. Once that starts, there's no telling anybody. Anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny though, man. Um, you know, even though it is say you know less than a half percent, if that less than a half percent is one of my family members, it is. I'm I not know. sure. If, you know, but that being said, and I mean, obviously, I've got elderly family. Everybody has elderly yeah. at risk family members. I've got asthma myself, but. You know, you have to take into account, like, who's at risk. 
If you're at risk, all right, yes. you know, you take the precautions and stay home. I'm not saying that the whole, like all of society should ignore the fact that people are at risk. Like you shouldn't go to your grandmother's house without a mask on and sneeze on her or something. But, yeah. but you know, I think that there needs to be some sort of way scale on risk versus reward, because if we can't feed ourselves as a country, then we're going to starve to death. Like, you know, uh, I mean, exactly. there's real consequences to shutting an economy down. Yeah, exactly. Our economy is not more, or, or a human life is not more valuable than the economy. So, like, so, that's just. So, is that a no or a maybe on the national championship? <laughs> that's going to be, I, it, it's going to be a maybe, and it's a hard maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see it either way. I, I think championships like the TOC, for example, they're going to go on no matter what because they're smaller and they'll be able, they're to, small. be able to handle that, though, I think. You know, I, I think that they would go on I would hate to see that one go on virtual, though. Yeah. You know, because a lot of uh, a lot of the experience of the TOC is is the show that Hobie puts on the white tablecloths, the the gift bags. You know, Ike being there, I'm sure Randy Howell will probably be up for this one since it's so close. But you know, it's that kind of atmosphere. That's a lot of the tournament. That's a lot of what people are working for. It's not just the fishing tournament, you know, it's the whole experience. And I, I hope that we can, we can not get, you know, caught up in that. I hope, I hope that we can do a real tournament for this. Somebody chimed in and said, let's not get into the politics. Wait, we, we won't, we're just talking about, uh, we're just going to touch on it, but we can, uh, talk, we can talk about something else that's sort of political. And that is yeah. uh, the new measuring boards that came out this week. Which, which new ones? The, the, uh, you know, catch two, Catch did a bait and switch on us. They dropped the plastic two, one on us. And then they, come, ones, they, came yeah. in, they came in hot with the metal one that looks just like it. I'm like, wait a minute. Why'd they do that? They should have came with that one first. Eh. <laughs> 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 so, so, listen. You know, obviously, I made a video, sent it to a closed group of people. It got out. That's my bad, I guess, for, I don't know, trying to educate people. But uh, the long story short is the plastic board is an improvement over a hog trough. Like, a hog trough is very bendy. Like, you either sneeze on it and it will bend in half or it will break. <laughs> One of the two things will happen. This, the catch plastic board is a huge improvement. There's, I'm not arguing that at all. It still flexes. It's still plastic. Those are physical properties. Like, if people think that you can make a plastic board that is like steel, you can't because it's plastic. Like, that's the material it's made out of. If you're too weak to hold up a piece of aluminum, then that's probably the board for you. But if you can, you know, if you can pick up 12 ounces, you can probably hold a freaking aluminum catch board. So uh, I yeah. think the new one that they came out with is the answer. I think that will, it's going to be a mid, mid-range price point. It has the wider lines that people ask for. It has the reference numbers on top. I think it's a great product, and, and I hope that, you know, maybe that will – <laughs> Calm people one. down. Be the one. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not 100 percent on either one of them, and those are my own personal reasons. I personally have not bought a catchboard. If I have to fish a Hobie, somebody will lend me one. Um, but, and I'm not saying I'm I'm all hog trough either. There has to be some kind of correction in in this industry. Um, but the improvements are 110% what we were asking for as anglers. Um, the, that's the, one thing the part I, I appreciate. About, you know, yeah, listening. that's what I appreciate. 
they they definitely answered some things that were being asked from by the anglers. Yeah, I um, think. One thing I yeah. No, go ahead, Russ. I said one thing I don't like is the multicolor different difference and and all that. It needs to be standard. Um, I don't care if it's high vis yellow or or another color. It just has to be standard because once you start modifying colors and changing stuff like that, there's just room for error. Um, and these things are, in my mind, are made on a CNC machine. They're not hard to make. Um, you can literally buy one, change it. Um, so I like the plastic board because it's a little bit harder to alter plastic than it is to make an, a metal one. Um, it's a long conversation I had with somebody else. If you take one sixteenth of an inch out of each inch at 16 inches, you gain an inch, and that's not something you're going to notice in a picture. Um, so you're saying from like a milling standpoint? From a milling standpoint. Uh, got you. Yeah. So somebody somebody can um, counterfeit a catch board, is, in other words, is, is your stance. Absolutely, because it's, there's so many variations of it. I mean, there's definitely six or seven different variations of, of the catch board. Um, and for me... I'll cut the end of my hog trough off at 28 inches. If I catch anything over 28 inches or 26 inches to fit flat in the bottom of my kayak so there's no flex, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I just, I don't like their process is to the thousands of an inch, but if somebody takes a sixteenth of an inch out of every inch from a milling aspect of it, technology's out there to do it, you're never going to see that. Like, even if your board's checked at the beginning of Hobie, take the fence off and put it onto a different board. You don't know. Like, that is it's a, a small that, chance. That is an argument I've never heard, but it's very, that very, is. very intriguing to uh, think about. Kind of eye-opening. Yeah. Because in, in my mind, I thought, in my mind, I thought the, the plastic is easier to modify because people could cut, you know, overnight. Go home, take a hacksaw, cut it, glue it back together. If you got a fish wide enough, of course, as we learned from, what was his name? Shepard. You know, have two or three boards. (laughs) If the fish is wide enough to cover my my one-inch modification, I'll use this board. So that's, you know, that was my thought process on the plastic. I didn't think about the literal, you know, expansion of the lines, basically milling, uh, you know, changing changing the length measurement. Not even milling. I mean, you can take that. I don't know the dimensions of it. I haven't played with it too much. Um, But if you take literally 16 inches and you take a 16th of an inch off of each inch, you won't see that on no, no digital measuring device, no nothing. Um, I'm like, we talked about this at a local club event, talked about it, um, you know, amongst other tournament directors and nobody's really said nothing about it because nobody really seen it. But for me and my past job, we dealt with thousands of an inch. So a 16th of an inch is a big gap. I'm not saying that they're putting boards out like that. I'm saying it's a possibility for somebody else to do multiple variations, leave it up for you to powder coat it and go about your way. So come out with a standard color with some sort of watermark on it, but that couldn't be done, in other words. Exactly. I like it's, that. It, it needs to be standardized. Like, that's what I like about the hog trough. They're white or they're, or they're yellow, 
And if you're going to change it, you have to change it by an inch or two inches by cutting it out. It's easier to find that than it is a sixteenth of an inch. And, and you can have a small fish, you know. I got you. That's deep. I think you got a bunch of people uh, on, in the chat, like, scrambling and doing some calculations and stuff. It's, uh, that, that's deep. Kind of got my mind blown on that one. What do you think, Ryan? I just, I mean, I, again, I would have to throw it back to Jim Clark, where he is our 16th of an inch measurement expert. <laughs> and... Uh, let him sort this out for us. Yeah, I do agree that I mean, the, the bigger money tournaments, you know, obviously that's just going to keep growing, that we do need a standard measuring board that doesn't look bushly with markers on it and, you know, smudges and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got to get there one way or the other. So here's a, an idea, I don't know, in my head. <laughs> so what if they took, let's say, at, at tournament board check time, you know, beforehand, what if they take like a transparent something overlay, you know, clear plastic that has the the marks on it and line that up? Are you saying that they they could they could detach the fence after board check and attach it to one that's been modified? Yeah, so it's just like the whole Shepherd scandal had multiple boards. So you get a board yeah, right, made right, right. that that's powder coated blue or anodized blue, whatever, whatever that says. And I can't see none of the, none of the comments coming in. Um, and I'm sure this will be talked about later, but, uh, <laughs> Jim Clark um, said a 16th of an inch is all the Lord blessed. Him with. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what you missed in recap. Uh, but, uh, it, it, those fences appear to be held on by some, some type of screw rivet or something along that lines. Nobody looks at that in depth, though. You know, even at the Hobie events, they line them up, make sure 30 inches matches 30 inches and goes about the day. It's still going to be there. You can, you can modify a CNC-made board. It has to be this. The new plastic catch board is going to be, in my mind, better than the metal boards because it's harder to change. And they have from one inch to whatever length they're making it at. But why? So devil's advocate why would that be harder to change if you could take it home and cut it with a hacksaw and glue it back together that night that that is it but you got to start checking those boards when they come in and that's why i believe like uh you ever been behind a tractor trailer truck and they have the the, the locks on them the seals you need to have a seal on a picture um you know it some kind of some kind of identifier needs to be a slot in my mind and i'm not perfect by no means um, there needs to be a slot in there where you can put a ring or something attached to that board that is the seal that that's what you bring back in and that's what's in your picture outside of an identifier. So, so that's a good, I mean, honestly, that's, that's a good, uh, a good thought, you know, maybe, maybe something that the tournament director attaches and maybe it's like a locking lug nut, like you have a key and that's all that can remove whatever that seal is. From the trough. I don't know where you would put that at, at what length, maybe 27, you know, depending on the length of the board, maybe at the end of the board, maybe Duke, maybe you could mill something that had that attachment point at the end. That's a good idea. I could see something like that. I mean, um, you know, of course, there's always going to be anytime there's humans involved, there's somebody that can be like, oh, hell, I'll find the find a key like this that can they can do that. But I mean, hopefully at some point it comes down to putting faith in people. 
I mean, this is a fishing tournament. We there could be people with cages or barrels or you know whatever. It, they could be scooping exactly. them out of a fish tank, carrying them to the river for all we know, taking pictures of them. But I, I mean, I agree. Like that is that is a good you know viewpoint that I didn't think of previously. Hey, I'll tell you this: the first uh, TOC that Cody Prather took over uh, several years back down in Texas was right after one of the big cheating scandals. May have been right after the Shepherd one. I'm not sure. Uh, it was after one of the cheating scandals. Anyway, they went over the top with double board checks. They had a, a locking key ring deal on the hot drop itself, plus a sticker, plus a wristband thing you had to have in the picture. And they went so overkill that it pissed a bunch of people off. So you got to be almost – you can't do too much. Picture from the – I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but I like the idea, yeah. Russell. I think, it's, uh, I think it's good that we need to try to do something that's more standard, uh, especially across all the big events. Yeah, and I mean, even with the Hobies, um, you know, some of these companies, you know, they they have a two hundred count max. It it wouldn't be, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm the deciding factor on how Hobie spends their money, but to carry two hundred boards. So when you come there, you get their board, you know, and that stuff. I mean, I can see that. Let me let me let me stop you right there. Garrett Morgan just brought something up that I never paid attention to. He said there's a serial number on the bottom of the catch boards. So mm-hmm. at the board check, they could write that down and verify when it came back in. I guess. I or if it's on your Tourney X, if it's on your Tourney X profile, your your name, your serial number pops up as they're judging your fish. Yeah, there you go. You know, I mean, that would be something simple. We're here uh, Katie back up, problems, man. Katie back <laughs> up, of course, super clutch puts up these zip tie seals with tamper tags. So they can put a zip tie seal, you know, just through the hole that's already on the catch board that you can attach the leash to. Again, though, that's on the fence, which we discussed. Yeah. So, you know. Um, and it, it's nothing besides milling, you know, a, a, a hole. I don't know how many guys are catching a 20-plus inch bass that is thicker than the board at 20 inches. Right. Um, so, you know, put it there. It's in your picture. Yeah, that's that's deep. I did not think we would go down that rabbit hole on this show tonight. But that, that was that was uh, that was deep. That, that uh, got us all thinking. So that's awesome. Uh, wow, what a great show tonight. We're over an hour already. It doesn't even feel like it. it feels like we've been talking for thirty minutes. Uh, I knew something bad was going to happen, Jeff. No, nothing bad. That's I'm awesome. kidding. <laughs> uh, awesome. What, what are you? One of you guys going to the cross this week? There's a big tournament this weekend in the cross. I'm not. Uh, I so, can't make that one. So who you got? Who, who you got for that one? I don't know. Um, my my hometown buddy Jake Harshman's heading out there. Um, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it, it, it it sounds funny, but I think um, a lot of that Mississippi River, if it is not blown out, is going to fish similar to the Susquehanna. That's um, river fishing, yeah. And I think he understands those big smallies. Um, so, and that's just my hometown buddy. Um, I like that. Is Jay, Jay Wallen's fishing it, though? Jay's fishing it. He, uh, he pulled off a win up there, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Yeah, Jay pulled off a win up there. Um, I, I don't know. There's so many. And it's Russ, hard to even say names. Josh Stewart. Uh, yeah, they're, Josh Stewart. They're all fishing, aren't they? Uh, and don't sleep on old Tyler Cole. That's his backyard. He, he usually takes care of business up there. Yeah, there's so much water up there. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. I'm anxious to see. I'm not going to make this one, but I'm going to be up there in August. You going up there in August, right? For the bass one? 
Maybe that one's a lot more feasible, man. I just, I've been on the road so much myself. Like I just got home from Florida, drove out here to Memphis. Honestly, a big part of me wants to drive back to Florida Thursday night and tarpon fish with Barton and Matthew Van <laughs> some more. Cause I, it, if I lived closer to any fish that looked like a tarpon, I probably wouldn't bass fish too much uh, through the through the spring and summer months, man. That that I, stuff is nuts. I got bit by that saltwater bug down in Panama. I would give up fishing Lake Erie to go yeah. fish Panama once a year. It's nasty, man. I just want to go back down and try to get some more stuff on film. Those a fish that big coming out of the water like that is. It was nuts. I mean, it was. It was awesome. So I'm hoping to hit that. I'll meet you up there if I can, Jeff. You know, don't save me a seat. I'll let you have Dardanelle. Uh, Russ, I will see you on the Coosa River. You're more than welcome to stay with us. We'll get a house. We're going to have a big time. Josh Evans said he's going to come down too. Young carpool. So right yep. on down here. All right. Hey, Russell, what an awesome interview, man. We sure appreciate you taking the time to get on here with us. Hope uh, business stays strong up where you're at and you guys stay safe. Yes, sir. And uh, hopefully, I can see you well, on sometime this fall. We'll see. Sooner or later, guys. Big fan. Thanks for all you're doing and uh, keeping everybody honest in this industry. So, congrats I, on I the like big it. win. Like we appreciate it. Thank you, guys.